Hi, everyone. So let me share to you one important thing that I hope every teacher could take advantage of. I've been working with Marshall Cavendish Education and with the rise on online learning, on the go, and at the convenience of the learner, Marshall Cavendish Education partnered with Nanyang Technological University of Singapore, NTU, to provide bite-sized online learning courses for the educators to continue their professional development. The learning platform MC EduHub for Educators comprises of short online courses offered by NTU that are designed to build specific skill sets for the modern-day educator. The first course, Designing Effective Online Lessons, which will be certified by NTU, addresses the urgent need to help educators design effective online learning lessons for their students. In the coming months, more related courses will be revealed on MC Edu Hub for Educators. Register for an account on MC Edu Hub now, and if you will click on the description of this episode, you'll be able to see the Google form where you or the form where you will be able to sign up for your account. And of course, you will see a few courses that I'll be making for, for online learning. And I hope that you'll be able to take advantage of those courses that I've designed in collaboration with Marshall Cavendish Education and their partner, Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. So thank you. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Empowered Podcast. And we're here for Season 7 and we're flying international right now. <laughs> Our guest, uh, well, he's been with us, a very good collaborator, partner of Empowered and a good friend of mine. And, but right now, he is in, he's already at Japan, uh, yeah. having moved a few weeks ago and completed his quarantine. So let's welcome back Alfonso Mangubat. Hi, Lafi or Alfonso. Hi, Jim. Thank you for having me here this morning. Um, it's really a, it's a little bit cold today. That's why, well, I'm wearing sweats. So for the first time, I'm wearing something warm because I can't do that in the Philippines. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm currently here in Japan already. So just a few months ago, I accepted a job offer here to, um, to teach and also to lead um, a growing international school here in Hachioji City, Japan. It's um, about one and a half hour, hours away from Tokyo City. So I'm currently the PYP coordinator. So having done the DP in Manila, I'm going back to my roots of doing the PYP. So I'm helping the teachers out there while also teaching middle school social studies. So it's been a couple of weeks um, of hard quarantine here but now um, last Monday I was able to enter the classroom for the first time in over a year so it was a wonderful experience Wow Japan is really doing well right now um, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I'm so excited for Alfonso and I've seen him grow I've met him a few years ago and he's been really you know um, the professional growth. Uh, and as a person in general, he has grown so much and, you know, um, extended uh, himself. Now, right, well, of course, right now he's in Japan. So that's truly a marvelous uh, feat for him. Um, 
Alfonso, very interesting from from senior high school IBDP yeah. to uh, PYP PYP yeah. right. Uh, yeah. What what are you excited about uh, in your new work? Well, it's really the chance to start a new program again. Um, the DP has its own challenges and its own processes and programs that gave me a, a sleepless nights. Um, but I guess the same can also be said here in the PYP. It's again something different. Um, the, from the DP and which also equally excites me because there is that opportunity to really go back to what the or to the basics of the IB because I was fr at the end point and now I'm going back to the starting point and what does it look like as we move from one level to the next leading to the middle school and to the senior high school mm -hmm. All right, and and our topic for this podcast is, of course, something that the IB program has been really pushing: the idea yeah. of collaboration, uh, very essential skill, twenty um, first mm -hmm. century skill, not just in the classroom, but even part of the lifelong learning process of students. So, uh, before Laffy he flew to Japan, of course, he's been involved with online distance learning. Yeah. And right now, um, while Laffy will be doing something, they're doing face-to-face, -face, um, as an edtech expert, Laffy would, uh, or Alfonso would, would, uh, is here to help us understand more about how to foster collaboration, not just in face-to-face -face learning, but right now, because our audience, most of them are still in online distance learning, let's, let's discuss that further in terms mm -hmm. of, uh, fostering collaboration. So Lafi, what do you like most about collaboration or why why foster collaborative skills in the classroom? Yeah, well, it's really the bedrock of we have sorry, to start off, it's really like the schools are telling us 21st century learners, 21st century learning. But how can you do that if collaboration is not present? If it's just a teacher-centered environment? And so collaboration espouses that idea that you are adopting a student-centered approach with the teacher as the facilitator. And collaboration is essential in a 21st century classroom because it fosters the skills necessary for students to acquire the other skills. Um, there is that, that social element wherein students are modeling to other students Teachers are modeling and demonstrating, and thus it becomes a cycle wherein both parties facilitate, instruct, demonstrate, and exhibit um, skills because they are collaborating all together. <laughs> I, I love that you mentioned about the different subset of skills under collaboration. Mm -hmm. I think the yeah. misconception really, or, you know, we don't go deeper. It's just that, you know, let's just bring them into a group activity <laughs> let them <Yeah. laughs> share the uh, spot like what alfonso has mentioned um when we speak of collaboration there are different skills there uh, my favorite really is um uh, conflict uh conflict resolution <laughs> skills when when people think that they have the best answers in a group it it takes much time to foster to develop those skills but i think it it's it's they're really worth it right 
Um, mm-hmm. Moving on, Alfonso, um, what are your best strategies like in an online setting? What are your best mm-hmm. strategies in fostering collaborative learning? Yeah, well, it was uh, last year, it was really a whole experiment on collaborating online. Many of us have encountered and are still encountering problems with collaborating online because we feel that our screens are very isolating and that the faces of our students, we just consider them as individuals. But over the over the year that I was working with my fellow teachers, observing them and listening to their practices, I realized that some of the best strategies are like utilizing the very tools that we have in our Google Meet or Zoom classroom. My favorite really is the breakout room. Um, it's, it emulates the situation wherein you have students turn and talk or discuss amongst themselves the concepts and ideas that are being tackled in class. And I've seen my teachers, former colleagues, I mean, and then myself, I've used it because um, I want them to like really go deeper into the idea. And so using breakout rooms plus the materials in our learning management systems, which they can access simultaneously, helps foster that idea of collaborative learning because they can, while they're in that breakout room, they can do a jigsaw of the readings They can um, discuss or highlight together using a Google document so that they can compile or collate their thoughts together. So it's really that um, combination of different strategies, different tools coming together, um, app smashing, so to speak, that um, fosters collaboration among students. Exactly. I think, right, well, at least the medium right now is a video conferencing tool. That's the breakout room feature. And then, of course, uh, like Alfonso had said, you don't just put them there and, you know, leave them behind and, you know, just say, you know, you can talk to each other, uh, discuss this. Um, Alfonso has really pointed out the use of strategies that deliberately and with purpose, really. Um, I think those are the key words for us mm-hmm. teachers. Every time we do something in the classroom, it should be deliberate and with much purpose because if if those are missing then it will be a very very difficult time for the student um breakout rooms are so exciting right now but at the same time because teachers you know they cannot divide themselves um i know an lms that can do you know like and uh, like it's like a, I, I what what we when we look at it uh, the term that we use what like, was like uh, was you know God's eye view yes like, all the breakout rooms you can see in some mm-hmm. platforms you have to enter right the breakout mm-hmm. rooms yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen an LMS that really sees everything what's happening there it was so mm-hmm. good uh, but because some teachers cannot really divide themselves. Um, Lafi, how do you empower students mm-hmm. or what are your strategies to make sure that the breakout rooms really work effectively okay. for this group? Yeah. It really boils down to careful planning of the tasks. If you know what you want the students to understand at the end of the session and what you want them to achieve in order for them to understand it, then 
using breakout room, rooms becomes even more purposeful because um, in terms of, like for history, um, we're talking about um, the Cold War, let's say, the idea is about detente and rapprochement. So basically, how the how do you de-escalate tensions? And so the idea there is the students would have to look at case studies. And in order for those case studies to be effective, me as a teacher, I have to prepare sets of questions for them to um, to answer. And these questions are either factual, conceptual, or debatable. And so while they're in that breakout room, those questions are in their LMS and they're constantly referring to it as they're studying those case studies so that they know exactly what or the direction of their discussion will look like. And there's always that um, idea that be ready to present or be ready to discuss as we go back to the main room. So the breakout room is just for you as a small group to find um, the ideas or to dig deeper into it, to provide you with context, to provide you with understanding, or to, uh, to really just go deeper into it. And then when we come back, that's when, as a whole class, we discuss the different perspectives together. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your, your effective strategies uh, in doing breakout rooms. Um, you mentioned about Google Docs or, you know, using um, application that has sharing and collaborative features. Most of them are under asynchronous work, right? Um, you know, uh, Alfonso, what have been your challenges uh, in terms of, you know, uh, fostering collaborative skills? Most especially when the expectation is for the students to work together asynchronously. Mm, yeah. Well, in the diploma program, the, it's not as evident because the students have an end goal in mind, which is they need to accomplish this paper. They need to study the, the, these ideas. Um, so it, it wasn't so much of a problem at grade 11 and 12, but, grade, but at the younger years, um, it is a challenge because some students see asynchronous tasks as a way to just have a break um but what this what the team has done effectively is that they provide a wide variety of resources um could be a reading could be a video could be um basically a simple poll or um a simple formative quiz um which asks them to really just read watch and do those activities and then um post their questions um, on a Padlet or on a Jamboard. I've seen my math te our math teacher, um, Neil Maliari. Um, he's used Padlet quite effectively because he's able to use the Padlets in such a way that he posts all the asynchronous work and then it is arranged or organized in such a way that students are able to post their own responses to the questions. So just imagine that the, um, the asynchronous work of math, you'd think that it would be an individual task, suddenly becomes a collaborative effort. And because there is that drive to understand and to know the solutions together, students can see how some of their classmates are using different strategies as well. And this, in, in effect, um, 
drives collaboration indirectly. Thank you, Alfonso. Um, yeah. That has been really a marvelous um, help right now, especially for mm-hmm. online for yeah. online distance learning. Um, mm-hmm. Any other challenges that you faced, or or yeah. not not you really, but challenges that you observed in students? Mm-hmm. Right? If if, stu- if things that you see that students see as challenges when they're doing collaborative learning. Yeah, um, it's monitoring the students um, at the younger, at the lower years. Um, but that the well, apart from monitoring students, it's also giving them that agency. You want to be able to strike that balance. Um, there are parents and there are schools that think that maybe their asynchronous tasks should be monitored by student uh, by a teacher, so that back so that students don't have this backlog of work. But I guess it's really, it comes down to what do you want the students to achieve and to accomplish? Um, How do we strike that balance of monitoring, but at the same time, empowering students? And so um, we've had this discussion in our team, um, wherein we really, we provide them with that framework by which asynchronous time, your tasks are here. But if you have any questions, you can come to us. Our meeting rooms are open and we can discuss those ideas together. But um, but it's, it really has to come down to the students. Like, how do we push them to do independent work together or do their work independently or collaboratively without us hovering all the time? Yeah, um. Alfonso, you mentioned about um, agency, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it's very interesting for me because we we constantly talk about learner agency, student mm-hmm. agency, and doing collaborative learning. That's that's that demands a lot of agency, agency. students, um, a lot of decision making, right? Will I listen to Alfonso? Was my group made, or will I? How will I tell him that he's missing something, or that his idea and my idea could work really together if we do this or that? Um, how will teachers do that? Like in terms of agency, um, I I know you're preparing for PYP, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's which is really the bedrock of the PYP agency. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, it uh, agency has to start really from the younger years. It you, you cannot expect that at middle school students will be agentic. I, I don't know if that's the term agentic, agenetic, um, or sorry, agents of learning at middle school. It the practices really have to start at the lower years and. We teachers have to ensure that we have a framework or a model by which we can tell our teachers that this is what a student with agency looks like, feels like, sounds like, and how do we achieve this? How do we demonstrate this? And how do we communicate this as they are moving from primary to middle school to higher school? And it's really important that um, 
that students see this and um, it's modeled to them explicitly and implicitly so that the skills that they are learning in primary are transferred as they move from the next level or on to the next level. All right. Um, my final question to you is, Alfonso, um, despite the challenges, um, especially right now, online distance learning, a lot of teachers would just say or, or make the decision that let's not do any more group work. Let's mm. just do individual work or let's mm. just, you know, do an online lecture or discussion because they fear uh, that students are not ready. I mean, <laughs> when are they going to be ready if we don't start, right? Yeah, but exactly. Most of the time, that's the reason. The reasoning really is it's because people are new to online learning. The teacher is new, so the confidence level. What, how, what words of encouragement do you want to share to teachers in, with the idea that you know you still have we still have to push for collaborative learning even yeah. if it sounds difficult for the first time yeah um really it's yeah it's hard and it takes a lot of trial and error the examples that i've shared may not necessarily apply to your own context but the, the beauty of this situation is that we are free to experiment with the tools that our school has. We maximize those tools. And for those teachers who think, let's just not have group activities, you're actually robbing the students of the chance to actually love learning. Um, if you are espousing this idea of 21st century learners, then they have to have this collaborative learning happening all at the same time and you don't necessarily have to start grand you can start with small groups small activities um i could have breakout rooms that could last for 30 minutes because the discussion is so rich but if i was just starting i would just maybe make five minutes or 10 minutes with just questions and then i would try as much as possible to hop from one room to the next just to listen in on the ideas and so that when they come back to the main session that's where we can discuss and talk about um those uh, ideas that were being that were in that room so it's really just starting out small um it might seem daunting because there are teachers who have really great examples. In fact, when I watch Edutopia videos, I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I, how are they able to do this? But then if you really look at what the teacher has done in that Edutopia video, you'll find out that you can make it at a smaller scale. You can experiment with it a little bit. And I know that teachers in the Philippines, our, we Filipino teachers are very creative and innovative when it comes to teaching and learning. My best, the, uh, my, the best answer that you've given me right now is, of course, all the answers that you have are very good, but I love, I, uh, I love that you emphasize that we could, we could always start small. Yeah, we don't have to do grand things, especially when we're new to it. But you know, it's always the, the first step, the beginning part is always the most difficult part. 
but we have to do something. We have to start on something. So thank you so much, Alfonso, all the way from Japan. Thank you for that wonderful thank you. of advice. So yes. we're now um, we're now done with our discussion and collaborative learning. I have one more question because <laughs> uh, Alfonso has been a good, very good friend of mine. If I go to Japan, what? I've never been to Japan, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I've been around countries in Southeast in, in Asia. Well, basically because of work. But yeah. I want to go to Japan for leisure. So what should I look forward to? Well, def it all depends on the seasons. Um, spring is by far my favorite season. Um, I was here during winter. It was nice, but the cold is really terrible. Um, but regardless of whatever season you come to, it's the food. It's always top quality. I, today is Sunday, so I've made it a point that every Sunday I will try a sushi restaurant in my city. And even though it's a, it's like 200 peso sushi, it still tastes amazing. So the food is the quality is just really good it tastes really well so if you come here jim i will um bring you around and take you to some of the places i've eaten and uh, um and we can have a chat there and we'll record a podcast in japan so i look yes. forward to that hopefully mm -hmm. after this pandemic so yes thank you so much alfonso and thank you Thank you for always uh, supporting Empower Ed and being part mm -hmm. of, of our own uh, advocacy for, of sharing knowledge to our teachers and learning from, from everyone. So stay safe, Alfonso. Stay safe, Thank everyone. You. Stay, stay safe, also. Being with us to our audience right now. We'll see you on our next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye, Alfonso. Bye. Bye. Bye.